The following feature has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences and parental discretion is advised. Home box office will show this feature only at night. Thank you. Have a nice day. Oh man, multiple sadness. Welcome to Multiple Sadness, a horrible podcast about horrible movies. So bad they're good, but still mostly bad. Uh, boy, that is evident today on this episode for sure. I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. And on today's episode, we will be combining Ninja Fists of Fury with a puzzling plot and a golden ninja warrior. And this week's movie, Ninja Terminator. Now listen, you have a very important mission ahead of you. I have a few announcements before we get started. Right off the bat, I do want to tell you that this week's movie is available on YouTube, and I will have a link to the movie in the show notes. So if you would like to watch the movie uh, after listening to this episode or before listening to this episode, either way, uh, you probably want to watch it after listening to this episode just because this movie is a little confusing. <laughs> and so uh, I may explain some things in this podcast uh, to make watching the movie a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, I want to say thanks to everybody who went to iTunes and left positive reviews. That's the only kind for a podcast about bad movies. Uh, but everybody who left uh, reviews on iTunes, I appreciate that. Uh, there was one comment that said that uh, on this show I won't read uh, viewer mail or anything, and I will. Uh, if you have a comment about one of the shows, feel free to email me. Uh, just send it right to Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com, and, and uh, I may not read the whole thing, but if you have comments about the movie or anything you want to point out, uh, then uh, I, I will definitely take a look at that. Uh, someone asked me what kind of movies I plan on reviewing on this show, and if you have uh, check out the ones that I've already done, like Microwave Massacre and Chopping Mall, you may have a pretty good idea. Um, the term B-movie was originally the bottom half of a double feature. So there was the uh, A movie, you know, with the A-list actors, and then the B movie was literally uh, the second movie that would be played. Sometimes they're associated with uh, uh, drive-ins or uh, midnight movies, things like that. There are also C movies, which are considered to be lower-grade B movies, and a lot of people say that C stands for cable, so those were uh, straight-to-cable type movies. And then... Um, since the, uh, I don't know if this came around with the internet or if people use this term before that, but a lot of people now refer to some of these movies as Z movies. Uh, the movies that Ed Wood did, for example, would be considered to be Z movies. Uh, and those are simply low budget films, movies that had no aspirations <laughs> of being great movies. Uh, and so we'll probably be watching uh, some of all of those things from B down, I would say. Um, now you might say to yourself, is a movie like Ninja Terminator even worth reviewing? I mean, Ninja Terminator is not Enter the Ninja. It's not even close. Uh, but to that, I would say all bad movies deserve a review, even the ones that bring us multiple sadness. And with that, here is the trailer to Ninja Terminator. Witness a bloody struggle over the search for the unlimited force of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Ninja Terminator. An outstanding action-packed adventure between a triangle of the deadliest Ninja Warriors. You want the Golden Ninja Warrior all for yourself. Look at this. Yes, that's my Ninja Star. Right? It's my Ninja Star. This is yours! Ninja Terminator, a spectacular story of betrayal and lust, the supreme power of ninja technique. Ninja Terminator, the weapon, the combat, and the intrigue enter the heart-stopping world of the Ninja Empire. Ninja Terminator, classical ninja fighters versus a world of guns, 
explosives, and even high technology. Ninja Terminator. Don't miss it. Coming soon to this screen. Now, I would like to say that I edited that trailer down a bit. There are a lot of uh, fight sequences that appear in the trailer where there is no dialogue, so I cut a little bit of that out to uh, speed that along. The original trailer, which is also available on YouTube, is uh, just over three minutes long. It's about three and a half minutes long, and uh, like I said, lots of parts with no dialogue. Let's get down to the basics here. Originally released in 1985, Ninja Terminator was somewhat written and directed by Godfrey Ho and co-written by Warren Say. Uh, Warren only has one writing credit, and it's for this movie on IMDb. If you are not familiar with the wonderful library of work of Godfrey Ho, Godfrey Ho is sometimes considered to be the Ed Wood of Hong Kong cinema. He has directed such classics as Ninja Strike Force, Zombie vs. Ninja, Ninja Demons Massacre, Cobra vs. Ninja, Bionic Ninja, and Ninja Fantasy. In fact, uh, according to IMDb, Godfrey Ho directed over 115 films, many of which have the word ninja in the title. Uh, also, many of these are considered to be Z-grade films. Now, it is uh, impossible to know just how many movies that were directed by Godfrey Ho because he used over 40 different aliases <laughs> in movie credits. So it's a little difficult to know every movie uh, that he did. Uh, Godfrey Ho got his uh, start with the Shaw Brothers studio. He was an assistant director there, and he actually worked alongside John Woo, although apparently he didn't learn much or did not take good notes. Godfrey Ho is most well-known for what is referred to as cut-and-paste filmmaking. Most of the films he made during the 80s and 90s were created by splicing parts of different movies together and then overdubbing the dialogue to create new movies. <laughs> he did this by purchasing obscure and unreleased movies from Hong Kong, Thailand, the Philippines, and other Asian kung fu movies. Then he would film new material to link those clips together. One of his go-to stars is Richard Harrison, who stars in this film. Uh, Richard Harrison filmed approximately three movies for Godfrey Ho, but appears in over 40. <laughs> because the uh, scenes that he filmed were cut and spliced and used over and over again with uh, different dialogue dubbed over it. It just doesn't make any sense at all, does it? So uh, I, I mentioned that we are going to be discussing the movie Ninja Terminator from 1985, but a lot of the footage, uh, over half of the footage of this movie comes from a 1984 South Korean film called The Uninvited Guest of the Star Fairy. Now, I was not able to track that movie down. I searched all my normal uh, haunts. But uh, I would like to see that movie just to see what uh, this footage that appears in this film, what it was originally supposed to be. IMDb rates Ninja Terminator 4.9 out of 10 stars, which is extraordinarily high. <laughs> I cannot believe that this has almost a 50% rating. According to IMDb, people who like this film also liked The Super Ninja, Ninja Squad, Ninja Destroyer, Ninja Silent Assassins, Diamond Ninja Force, and Ninja Wars. So I guess if you're into one bad ninja movie, you're into them all. The Ninja Empire will destroy us. We will all be destroyed. Unless we destroy them first. The cast of this movie is uh, somewhat interesting. It does star Richard Harrison, as I mentioned. Uh, he plays Ninja Master Harry. <laughs> uh, Richard Harrison has 127 different acting credits on IMDb, although, like I said, many of those are in Godfrey Ho movies that he did not know he was going to be in. He just somehow appeared in. Uh, there's also Jonathan uh, Wattis as Ninja Master Baron, uh, who I believe only has two credits. And uh, there are a, a few other, um, I guess you would say, Hong Kong uh Stars, but a lot of the people that appear in this movie are from, like I said, from the uh, other Korean film. So they were bigger stars in Korea uh, than they were in Hong Kong. Uh, Huang Jang Lee is Ninja Master Tiger Chin, and he uh, appeared in a little over a dozen movies. Kidnap Machiko successfully, and you won't lose another finger. Yes, sir. 
If you check IMDb, you will encounter what I encountered, uh, is that a lot of the people, the actors that are listed in IMDb, it doesn't give their character names. And this is for a couple of reasons. One is some of the characters' names are actually never given in the film. (laughs) So we don't know who they are. And also some of the characters, because they appear in other films, uh, their names change at different times. uh, And there are several characters where their names are only mentioned one time. Uh, So anyway, let's get to the plot summary, as it is, of Ninja Terminator. Now, I will tell you that I have watched this movie at least a dozen times, uh, and it has taken me that many viewings to figure out what the plot of this movie is. The Ninja Empire has acquired the Golden Ninja Warrior, and the Golden Ninja Warrior is a statue that's made up of three parts. There's a head and then a left arm and a right arm, and each of the arms are holding swords. Now, the leader of the Ninja Empire is a man named Yamoto, and when he puts the three parts of the statues together and does some sort of ninja incantation, he turns into the Supreme Ninja Master. Today is the 20th anniversary of our Ninja Empire. As our top fighters, you're here to witness the Empire's supreme power. And when he gets this skill, it makes him invincible. And so to show this to the other members of his ninja clan, he lets them attack him with swords. And we see that. And we see that uh, they are unable to cut him. Master Supreme Ninja. Supreme Ninja. Uh, well, this would make the Golden Ninja Warrior, and that is the name of the statue, is referred to as the Golden Ninja Warrior. That would make it quite possibly the most value object in the galaxy. So that night, he leaves it out on the coffee table, and the next morning, three students of the Ninja Empire steal it. I guess I would say that the Ninja Empire is is all of these people here. Uh, But there are three people that steal it, and that is Ninja Master Harry, Ninja Master Baron, and Ninja Master Tomashi. Uh, Ninja Master Harry and Baron are uh, Caucasian, and uh, Ninja Master Tomashi is obviously uh, an Asian man. Uh, All of these guys wear very heavy eyeliner. (laughs) There are a couple of shots, uh, close-up shots of uh, Ninja Master Baron where it almost looks like Ozzy Osbourne because he has so much uh, eyeliner on now, to make things uh, simple for us, the three bad guys, and, and I should stop right there. Everybody in this movie is a bad guy. There are no good guys in this movie. It's just bad guys and worse guys, I guess. Uh, but they're all wearing black ninja suits, and the minute they steal the golden ninja warrior, they are pursued by a bunch of ninjas wearing red ninja suits. Uh, and this is a technique that a lot of these movies use. Uh, they put ninjas in different color suits because if everyone were wearing black suits, it would be impossible uh, to tell who's who. Uh, so the three bad guys, they escape the Ninja Empire with the three parts of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Then we get a flash forward. It says two years later in Hong Kong. And we cut to a scene where Tomashi is killed. Spread the news. Get the Golden Ninja Warrior back. As for the traitors, make sure they're killed. Yes, master. Uh, he is attacked from behind by the Red Ninja, who is a also a member of the Ninja Empire. Uh, and he acquires the main part of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Now, Tomashi has a brother named Akaza and a sister named Machuko. <laughs> Um, and so this really sets into motion the plot of the film, because now there are three different groups that want to find the Golden Ninja Warrior. Uh, and by that, I mean all three parts to it. We are led to believe, although later on we see that this is not true, that you need all three parts of the Golden Ninja Warrior statue to become the Supreme Master, master Ninja. So anyway, uh, the first person is uh, the guy that has one part of the statue, and that is Ninja Master Harry. Uh, He has hired Jaguar Wong, who we will hear a lot about. Uh, And Jaguar Wong has been hired to go find uh, Machuko and Ikaza. Uh, That's the brother and sister of uh, Tomashi, who we see murdered, because they assume uh, that Tomashi has left his part of the golden ninja warrior with his brother or sister. So he has hired uh, master ninja. Harry has hired Jaguar Wong uh, to go find Machuko and Isuzu, uh, not Isuzu, <laughs> Ikaza <laughs> uh, to protect them. Okay. Your technique is still very good. And so is yours. You must stop your man from annoying Tomashi's sister. 
If you stop yours first. The names are going to get worse. Uh, then we have Ninja Master Baron. And Ninja Master Baron has hired Ninja Master Tiger Chan uh, to also go find Ikaza and Machuko because he wants the Golden Ninja Warrior so he can uh, eventually acquire all three parts so he can become the Supreme uh, Ninja. Bring me the body of that Golden Ninja Warrior. And if the brother or sister offer any resistance... You must kill them without any hesitation. Do you understand me? I got it, sir. Uh, and so so Ninja Master Baron has hired Ninja Master Tiger Chan. Uh, and Ninja Master Tiger Chan, by the way, he wears a blonde woman's wig throughout the majority of the movie. We don't really know why that is. Uh, but he has sub-hired a group of thugs led by Victor Lee uh, who are going to go find them. And then uh, we also have the Red Ninja from the Ninja Empire uh, who is trying to find the other two parts uh, of the Golden Ninja Warrior. So he has the main part of the Golden Ninja Warrior, but the other two don't know that. They think Machuko has it. So uh, Ninja Master Baron sends some people out and they kill Ikaza. Uh, and uh, they try to kidnap uh, Mizuko, but she escapes uh, for the time being. So if you're confused at this point. I'm real confused. Here, here's a quick summary that I wrote down. We have uh, Ninja Master Harry who has hired Jaguar Wong to find Machuko in hopes of protecting her. We have Ninja Master Baron, who has hired Ninja Master Tiger Chan, who has hired Victor Lee to find Machuko and torture her to find the location of the Golden Ninja Warrior, which, by the way, she doesn't know. I'm constantly asked questions I don't understand. <laughs> Uh, and third, we have the Supreme Ninja Master, who we hear his name one time as Yamoto, who has sent the Red Ninja to collect all the pieces of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Uh, and so he also, for some reason, knows where the other Ninja Masters live, even though they're in hiding. And occasionally, he sends little toy robots to their house <laughs> to deliver death threats. Uh, he basically tells them within three days, he begins sending messages, and he says within three days, if you don't return uh, the pieces of the Golden Ninja Warrior, that you will be dead. Traitor, listen. You have just three days to return the Golden Ninja Warrior to our master. Hear and obey. And this is where... Uh, these uh, Ninja Terminator robots, which, by the way, are not human size like you would imagine if you're thinking of the Terminator as in Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, these are, you know, six inch tall wind up robots that come to your door. And when you open the door, they blow smoke in and then they stand there while they're trying to walk, but they can't get over the entryway, <laughs> the doorway. So they just keep walking into uh, the front porch and then they deliver their ominous message uh, there. As Jaguar Wong is looking for Machuko, he runs into Lily. And Lily is dating Victor Lee, who is the guy that was hired by Tiger Chan, who is the guy who was hired by Master Ninja Baron. Uh, and we find out that Jaguar Wong had a previously previous relationship uh, with Lily. And that leads to uh, our first bedroom scene. I'll be talking about that later uh, during the Killer Bees. Uh, now, unrelated to everything that I've just said, <laughs> uh, Tiger Chan, Master Ninja Tiger Chan, has set up on the side a drug deal to sell a briefcase full of heroin uh, to some people. And Jaguar Wong dresses up in disguise and, and uh, trades an empty briefcase for the briefcase full of heroin. How could you let one of Harry's men sneak in and outsmart us? You didn't make the thorough checks expected of you. And you haven't done your job properly. So... Right after this, Machuko is kidnapped by Victor Lee. So now this movie splits really into two movies um, because half the movie is about this drug deal because the bad guys, some of the bad guys, I guess I should say um, <laughs> Victor Lee and Tiger Chan, Master Ninja Tiger Chan, want to recover the heroin that has been stolen by Jaguar Wong. But the other half of the movie is about all the people that are trying to get the parts of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Uh, and so we, we kind of flip flop in between these two stories. Um, this is uh, things take longer than they should because Jaguar Wong apparently gets into a fight every single place he goes. Well, I'm looking for a restaurant. You're looking in the wrong place around here. There ain't no restaurant, buddy. <laughs> yeah. 
So in the middle of all this madness, all the girls get kidnapped. Machuko gets kidnapped by the bad guys. Lily is kidnapped by Jaguar Wong. Uh, so the two of them agree to make a swap. They're going to swap out the two girls. Okay, Victor. I'll send Lily over. You send Machiko. Okay, it's a deal, you bastard. But... Master Ninja, Tiger Chan, and Victor Lee have a surprise. They have hired a professor who shows up for the first time in the film who has come up with a new invention called a time bomb. A fine piece of work. Thank you. This bomb is as easily as powerful as the others and with remote control. But will it blow my enemies up? Well, I'd say sky high. <laughs> it's just what I need. So he plans on blowing up Machuko, uh, and he has a remote that will stop it, but only if he gets uh, the drugs and the girls back, which he doesn't get uh, because they go to exchange the girls. Um, and so even though, oh my gosh, <laughs> so even though Jaguar Wong sends Lily over to the bad guys, the good guys just send a man uh, dressed up uh, as a woman over to uh <laughs> to Jaguar Wong, which they then uh, get into a big fight. Okay, bastard. It's my turn now to give you a taste of your own medicine. Ooh, you're really gonna pay. Do you remember how you locked me up in that hotel wardrobe for a few days? I tell you, you're not gonna forget that ever. <laughs> uh, so at that point, Jaguar Wong, uh, after that fight, he gets in his car and he drives over to the bad guy's place to go save Machuko, which is weird because if he knew where Machuko was, why was he agreeing to meet these guys in the desert to exchange each other's girlfriends that they've kidnapped? Anyway, this leads us to the two finales of this movie. The first is the big showdown between Jaguar Wong and Master Ninja Tiger Chan, who are going to fight it out on uh, the beach in front of uh, the ocean. And then we also have a big three-way showdown that takes place between Ninja Master Harry Ninja Master Baron and the Red Ninja from the Ninja Empire. And the three of these guys each show up. They each bring their part of the Golden Ninja Warrior, and they are all going to fight to the death. Now, I mentioned that um, sometimes it would be hard for you to tell who is who because, you know, if, if everybody's wearing a complete black ninja outfit and their face is covered, all you could really see is their eyes. Uh, but this movie solves this problem because, first of all, nobody's really wearing a ninja mask. They just wear the hood part. Uh, so you can see everyone's face, which, by the way, uh, is goes against the whole point of a ninja mask, <laughs> which would be to conceal their identity. So uh, especially all the Americans uh, that appear in the film, uh, Baron and Harry, uh, their faces are not concealed throughout most of the movie. Also, inexplicably, about halfway through the movie, uh, Master Ninja Harry's suit changes from an all-black suit to an all-camouflage suit. Uh, so he mostly wears all-camouflage. Master Ninja Baron wears all black, and then, of course, the Red Ninja wears uh, all red. Also, at some point, we learn that ninjas can teleport. <laughs> and so as they're fighting, the ninjas uh, tend to teleport quite a bit. And sometimes they teleport, and then when they reappear, they're wearing their ninja suit. Um, and then uh, they also... It, they can teleport, but they can only teleport a few feet. Uh, so when they're fighting, they just disappear and they reappear a few feet away. Um, and even if they are uh, invincible because they have part of the Golden Ninja Warrior, when they reappear from teleportation, it appears that right that moment they are vulnerable uh, to attack. That explains one of the 2,380 plot holes that appear in Ninja Terminator. <laughs> Since you're both Tiger Chan's men... You'll take a message for me, right? Right. Yeah. 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 Bye. Oh. Hey, wait. You don't know what the message is. And now my impressions about the movie. How did I first find out about this movie? Well, uh, I have told this story, I believe, on You Don't Know Flack, but I will tell it here. Uh, when uh, I first moved out after high school, I moved into a ratty little apartment. It's on a bad side of town. I wrote a blog post not too long ago about all the murders uh, and crimes and robberies that have taken place at these apartments since I moved out. Uh, they weren't that bad when I lived there, but they certainly weren't good. Uh, and there was really no place that you could walk to 
from my apartment except for two businesses. One was a convenience store, uh, which me and, and one of my buddies came over. We would walk over to the convenience store and, and um, uh, buy drinks or whatever. And there was a movie rental place called Kaleidoscope Video. Kaleidoscope Video uh, had normal type movies. It was a mom and pop uh, type video store, uh, but they also had a huge horror section and a huge martial arts, kung fu, ninja uh, type section. And so we would go over there. My my buddies would come over, you know, several times a week, and we would walk over there. And I think uh, movie rentals were a buck. And so you know, whatever change we had in our cars or whatever, we uh, at least all of us at different times were all pizza delivery guys. So we always had change and ones and things like that. And we would go over to Kaleidoscope uh, and rent these movies. And so that's the first place that I saw uh, Ninja Terminator. Now, to fast forward this story, that that would have been in, um, well, would have had to have been in the uh, early to mid, well, early 90s, let's say, 92, 93. Uh, several years later, and this would have been, gosh, 98, 99, uh, Kaleidoscope Video went out of business. And it just so happened that I worked nearby there, and I drove by, and I they had a big sign outside that said, uh, going out of business sale, and then it said, all movies for sale, $10. And I thought... $10, you know, it was, this was probably 99 because I knew people that were getting into DVDs at that point. And I thought, well, who's going to pay $10 for VHS tapes when DVDs are coming out? And I drove by the next day and the sign said all movies, $1. And I thought that sounds better. <laughs> and so I drove over to Kaleidoscope Video and uh, a lot of the newer movies were gone, but all the stuff that I liked uh, were still there. And so uh, they had some boxes and I said, I want the martial arts section. And I want the horror section. And they looked at me and they were like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I want every movie in this section and I want every movie in that section. Uh, and I don't remember exactly. I know I've told this story. I think I've said 100 movies. I think I've said 200 movies. It was somewhere somewhere in there, maybe 150 movies. Uh, I do know I was driving my pickup and I had many, many boxes of movies loaded up into the back of my pickup. Uh, of course, this was at a time I didn't have kids and I had a really good job. So I had uh, definitely had some disposable income at the time. But uh, I did end up buying a, 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 basically a library of horror uh, videotapes and martial arts videotapes. And I did end up purchasing Ninja Terminator. And it was the same copy that we had rented uh, years ago. And I, I still have that. Uh, I have a whole little section of Ninja VHS movies that I've never got rid of, and Ninja Terminator is one of those. So anyway, that's where I first uh, heard about the movie and how I acquired the movie. The title breakdown, well, it's called Ninja Terminator. Obviously, this movie was made in 1985, the year after the original Terminator movie. Uh, so that is probably where the Terminator term came from. Uh, and also, it has ninjas in it. So Ninja Terminator, I mean, you, you got a pretty good idea. Now, obviously, it's a um, uh, the title has more to do with the movie Terminator than anything that actually appears in this plot. Uh, it's pretty much a stretch to call the toy robots uh, Terminators. There is a part in the movie where a death threat is sent by videotape. Uh, the, the robot's actually carrying a videotape and delivers it uh, to Master Ninja Harry. And when he plays the tape, it says, you know, you're doomed if you don't return a Golden Ninja Warrior. Uh, and also, I'm a Ninja Terminator. It's like they tagged it on to the very end. So they got the title of the film in, but it definitely feels uh, shoehorned in. Let's talk about the cover uh, the VHS cover of um, Ninja Terminator. I have a link to it here. I want to pull it up. The movie's in the other room. But uh, um, if you go to Google Images and type in Ninja Terminator cover, you'll find at least a dozen different covers. And that's because this movie has been released and re-released. It's been released as part of uh, compilations. It's been released uh, on VHS multiple times. Uh, so there are all different kinds of covers uh, out there available for this movie. The one that I have, the front says Ninja Terminator. It's got some stuff on the front, uh, and the the cover is kind of a orange, uh, an orange color. And uh, this is the release from uh, Ninja Theater. So Ninja Theater was a show that was hosted by uh, Shoko Sugi, who you may know from the Enter the Ninja, Revenge of the Ninja, Ninja Three uh, Domination trilogy. And so uh, he had uh, a series of of uh, VHS tapes. These are called Ninja Theater. And so um, uh, when you start the movie, there were 13 releases of uh, Ninja Theater VHS tapes. And when you start them, there's a, uh, oh, 
two or three minute introduction uh, with Sho Kosugi and he shows and demonstrates one ninja weapon. There's one for uh, Tonfu, there's one for swords, there's one for throwing stars and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and then they're all generic. Um, uh, so then it says, uh, you know, he says in broken English, now we will be, you know, starting a very good uh, Kung Fu movie. Uh, and then and then the movie starts. So this is one of those movies. Uh, the well, first I'm gonna go. I'm gonna talk about the back before I talk about the front. In the back, there's a picture of Richard Harrison wearing camouflage pants and no shirt, and he's holding a sword. This is not from this movie. He does not appear uh, without a shirt in this movie. I'm sure of that. Um, so they they got some other picture of him here. Now, what's important on this part? Uh, the back and the description. I mean, it kind of explains what's going on, um, but it does say uh, Harry, Baron, and Tomashi. And that's important because Master Ninja Baron's name is only said one time in the movie. It doesn't appear in the credits, and it's said in a line that's spoken really quickly. Harry, Baron, and Tomashi. So I had trouble even finding out what his name was. I had to pull out my VHS tape. Unfortunately, uh, it has this little thing on the back, like it's a little paragraph. Uh, or actually, there's one, two, three, four paragraphs here that kind of explains uh, what the uh, what the plot is. But it's funny because it it uh, it does not. If you just saw this, you would think, "Oh, this might be a normal movie." This is not a normal movie. <laughs> this is so far from being a normal movie. Uh, the front cover. Has a ninja theater uh, hosted by Sho Kosugi. Uh, in the background, there's a ninja, and then uh, there's the red ninja who's kind of flying through the air. And this is all set in front of. Uh, I'm assuming this is Hong Kong uh, on the uh, edge of the ocean here. Then we have uh, Richard Harrison as Master Ninja Harry wearing his camouflage suit. And one thing I like about this, if you know, I just was looking at the details here. He is holding a sword as if he's about to chop somebody, and then around his waist he has. Another sword. So I guess ninjas are like really, really, uh, I mean, I know they're prepared, but this guy's really uh, prepared. I mean, he's got swords all over the place. Then there's the logo that says Ninja Terminator, which is done in a very 80s uh, color fade. You know, it kind of goes from a green, almost a blue, to a green, to a yellow, to an orange, to a red. And then there's a line drawing of a red ninja flying through the air. And then if you look up... It's the same red ninja that's flying through the air up there. They've just flipped it uh, left to right. But one is an actual photograph, and the other one is uh, a line drawing. Uh, and then it says uh, – it has the name of some of the actors in here, like uh, Philip Coe and Jack Lamb and uh, you know other names down here. But, of course, like I said on IMDb, uh, and even in the credits of the film, it doesn't have – you know, the names of the actors with the names of the characters. So I don't really know <laughs> which correlates to what. There are a lot of things that I normally do on this show that are going to be difficult to do. Uh, the, like one of the things that I normally do is talk about uh, the plot and how does the plot work. There's one scene in this movie where uh, Jaguar Wong fights a guy. Uh, and then as he's laying there, he takes his ring. His ring is on his hand and the guy says, oh, this is... Uh, very valuable ring, and he takes it and he goes, well, good, because I ripped my suit while I was you know, beating you up. And he takes it to uh, the shop and, uh, you know, to get it appraised. This ring's been in my family for years. I'm sure it's worth quite a lot of money. I'm sorry, sir, it's fake. You mean it's worth nothing? Well, this sort of ring only comes from a box of Cracker Jacks. Well, then later, he fights the guy that appraised the ring, and then and suddenly that guy has a Texas accent. <laughs> and um, he has like a southern draw from this Chinese guy. That ring you brought into my shop didn't belong to you. Huh? It belonged to my brother, and I'm here to take revenge now. It's so ridiculous. I mean, when you see this scene, it's so ridiculous. And... This movie is just that over and over again. I mean, it's just ridiculous little scenes, ridiculous characters, things that make no sense uh, that are, are linked together. Uh, it's just super crazy. Um, you know, we they, they throw things in like at one point we find out, well, uh, if you are sent on a ninja mission and you fail it, then you're supposed to commit Harry Carey because there's no honor but I'm not sure that ninjas are that honorable, you know? Um, there's just a lot of things in this movie that do not make sense. Uh, 
And w- let me rephrase that. Nothing in this movie really makes sense. Um, and so, so you just have to uh, kind of, you know, you could either do what I did and watch it, you know, a dozen times, uh, or you can just kind of sit back and, and revel in the uh, craziness that goes on here. Uh, there, there's one point where there's so many things that have happened that are confusing that uh, one of the guys goes to see Master Ninja Baron and then really just gives 30 seconds of exposition to really explain to us, I'm assuming, uh, what has happened because the movie is so confusing. Since we received instructions from the Ninja Empire, we set about recovering the Golden Ninja Warrior. We did this by investigating the three traitors. I traced Tomashi's hideout and discovered him practicing the Supreme Ninja technique. I killed him before he was able to create the Supreme Ninja spirit. And here is the body of the Golden Ninja Warrior. Good Karada. I like to talk about the social commentary of movies, but there is none. No, there's no message inside this movie. Um, and, and as far as, uh, you know, the times, I mean, this is 1985, so this is definitely at the height of uh, the ninja hype, all the ninja movies. So obviously this is just a, uh, a cash and grab, you know, type of uh, uh, movie. You know, they put ninja in the title. They put some ninjas in there. They spliced it with some other movies. Uh, and that's uh, and that's what you get. And, and obviously the adding the name Terminator to the film uh, would just be, you know, a way to get the public's attention. Again, uh, I like to talk about the direction and editing. Uh, the uh, I, I don't know that there is any direction in this movie. Um, there's an editing trick that I want to talk about, uh, and that is that uh, the movies are edited together by people talking on the phone. So a lot of times in the new footage, someone will pick up the phone and be talking on it, and then they cut to footage from the other movie where there's also someone on the phone. So obviously, if you're going to redub that dialogue, uh, you can make them say whatever you want them to say. So that, I mean, that's a good idea. Uh, it's not, uh, I mean, the film, the quality of the film is not exactly the same all the time, but uh, that is one way. If you can't get two people in the same scene, uh, obviously, because they're from two different movies, you can have them talk on the phone. And so that's uh, an editing trick that these guys use to, uh, to splice these movies together. Listen to me, Trader. I believe that you've received a death message from our Ninja Empire. Ninja is supreme and you have double-crossed it. Why did you do that? The Ninja Empire is evil. I have to reform the Ninja Empire. That is why I took away the Golden Ninja Warrior. You've got three days in which to return the Golden Ninja Warrior, or else you die. Go to hell. On the writing and acting, well, as I mentioned earlier, first of all, a lot of people randomly have weird accents. There are lines that just don't seem to uh, make any sense. Obviously, they were you know, translated awkwardly. Oh, Harry, I forgot about dinner. You can't forget to eat. The acting bits from the Korean movie, and those are the parts that have Jaguar Wong in them uh, and Victor Lee, those parts aren't really terrible. Obviously, the dubbing is terrible, uh, but the acting in those parts isn't as bad. Uh, I mean, Jaguar Wong is obviously supposed to be a really, uh, you know, over-the-top, he's kind of... uh, uh, Oh, you know, he's just a, a character. You know what I mean? Like he's a bigger than life, that sort of thing. Uh, and so, and, and he plays that off a little bit. Hey, you're acting pretty cool, man. But it's guys like you need to be shown a good lesson. Oh, and you think you're the one who's going to show me. That's right. Let's see those famous Jaguar skills. <laughs> you flatter me. But uh, the parts that have the English speaking actors with uh, Nash, uh, Ninja Master Harry and Ninja Master Baron, those parts are terrible. I mean, and their their lines are all overdubbed, even though the movie is presented in English and they spoke in English. Um, so, but they those people are all overdubbed. And by the way, I think there's only two people, maybe three, that do all the dubbing for the film. So there's a lot of people that sound uh, very similar. For costumes and props, obviously for costumes, the big thing is the ninja suits. Um, the ninja suits don't look – I mean, when I think of a ninja suit, like the epitome, I think of uh, Re- Revenge of the Ninja or Ninja 3, the domination. Those suits, man, look super cool. It's a, you know, a slender guy and he's got padded shoulders and, and uh, you know, the, the ties are in the right place or whatever. And these guys almost look like they're wearing uh, at times like pajamas, you know, with, with strings around the knees and – 
and uh, they don't they don't tie around the ankle, so it's almost like they're you know they're open at the bottom. They're just kind of weird looking ninja suits. And then again, with the open face masks, a lot of times they don't look like ninjas; they just look like people uh, wearing hoods. The worst one is the Supreme Ninja Master, Master Supreme Ninja. Supreme Ninja. Who, if you ever saw that there was a Saturday Night Live, if you remember Saturday Night Live when uh, John Lovitz would play the devil, he looks like that. I mean, this looks like an overweight guy wearing a red suit and he has a hood, but you can see his whole face and he's wearing a black cape. And I was like, oh my God, it's the devil. (laughs) I mean, it's such a stupid looking outfit. Uh, And I mean, that's within the first minute or two. So that really uh, gets things uh, set off. Uh, as far as props, uh, we have the bomb that, uh, is a major player later on in the film where they're going to blow up Machuco with the bomb. Uh, the bomb looks like a paper sack and then has an alarm clock attached to it, like a seventies alarm clock, a gold alarm clock with two bells on top of it. So that's the mechanism, uh, that runs the professor's latest invention, which is a bomb. The other prop that has to be mentioned and that this movie is somewhat, I think, famous for is Ninja Master Harry's phone. Uh, He spends a lot of time on the phone with various people, and it's a Garfield phone uh, from the 80s. If you remember these, it looked just like uh, Garfield, the cat, and the phone uh, fit into his back. And when you answer the phone, his eyes open up. And when you hang up the phone, the eyes would close. So uh, Ninja Master Harry, who is with the uh, Golden Ninja Warrior, one of the three most powerful people on the planet, uses a Garfield phone. Uh, I like to talk about set and filming locations. Uh, Obviously, this whole movie was filmed uh, half, I guess, in Hong Kong and half uh, in South Korea. So there are a lot of apartments uh, where things take place. There's a warehouse. There's a... uh, the Ninja Temple, I don't know where any of those places really are uh, in real life. I'm just not uh, – I couldn't find any of that information online and um, uh, not being familiar with the, those parts of the world. I uh, just was unable to really find any information. Uh, there is a part of the movie that takes place in a discotheque later on, and there's a, uh, a brief shot of it, and it says Volvo. And so I did find Club Volvo in Hong Kong, which I – I'm assuming is the same uh, Club Volvo that appears in the film. And if it is, it appears to be essentially a discotheque slash brothel uh, where uh, men go to meet uh, women, uh, Japanese women, and then they make arrangements to either go home or not go home with the client. Um, And I found an article that said Club Volvo had been closed down uh, not too long ago. So. Uh, that, that's the only place I could find, uh, an actual filming location from, uh, the soundtrack of this movie. Well, first of all, half of it's stolen. And, uh, if you heard at the beginning of the trailer, you heard the opening part of (laughs) a little bit of star Wars in there. Uh, there's some, uh, Pink Floyd that appears in the, in the movie. Uh, I think it's the song echoes, uh, in a couple of the scenes, uh, there's definitely uh, part of the background music I heard that has come from uh, Clockwork Orange. So they, they just kind of stole whatever they wanted and uh, applied it to the background. Uh, and then the other half of, of the soundtrack is just weird, you know, keyboard music, keyboard noises, uh, typical 80s kind of background. So I don't think that the soundtrack for Ninja Terminator is probably available, but I would uh, – it is, it is as ridiculous as the rest of the movie. <laughs> so I'll just say that. Uh, special effects and stunts. Well, obviously when I'm talking about the stunts here, we're talking about the choreography of uh, the fight scenes and it's actually pretty good. I mean, there are some, there are lots of aerial, uh, like what I would call double kicks where a guy jumps up and he, and he kicks somebody with his left foot and with his right foot. Um, there are people flying all over the place, getting beat up. Uh, you know, people get punched and they fly over cars. Um, lots of, forward flips and back flips from the ninjas and things like that. So, uh, the, the fights are actually probably the best part of this movie. Uh, there are, uh, Jaguar Wong does this thing. He does it twice in the movie, uh, where he will, um, pick something up off the ground with his foot, like kick it up in the air and then kick it at somebody. Uh, and he does this, he's, he's fighting these guys uh, that were playing baseball in the street and uh, there's a baseball laying there, 
and he, with his foot, flips the baseball up and then kicks the baseball, which hits one of the guys in the head so hard that it bounces off and hits the other guy in the head. And it's a great shot. Obviously, it's done with uh, some jump cuts. You know, I mean, it happens pretty quick, but uh, when you see it, it's pretty cool. And later on, uh, when one of the bad guys is holding the remote that will detonate the bomb and they're outside, he looks down, sees a rock, and he just kicks the rock and it flies all the way over and hits the guy in the hand uh, and knocks uh, the remote out of his hand. So uh, uh, there's some pretty cool stuff in here uh, if you're into, you know, goofy type of of uh, fights and stuff like that. And that brings us to the top five quotes from this film. And let me tell you, I could do 50 of these for this film. And I had a difficult time cutting this one down to five. But here they are, the top five quotes from Ninja Terminator. Number five. I'm very sorry to hear about the death of your two brothers. But have you heard? The story of the Golden Ninja Warrior. I don't know what you're talking about. Number four. Well, it's like this. Since we figure that you've decided to be uncooperative, well, there's no reason for us to allow you the privilege to continue your life so you've made the decision. Number three. So, Jaguar Wong, you'd better prepare yourself because I've come to tell you your future doesn't look long all bright. Number two. Tell me, can a dying man have a last wish, huh? A cigarette? <laughs> I guess so. After all, it's unlikely that you'll contract lung cancer before I kill you. Number one. The police say that he was found with pieces of metal in his back. It definitely means somebody wanted him dead. It's so strange. And now it's time for the Killer Bees. Wait a minute. You must be the... That's right, gringo. The Killer Bees. The Killer Bees refers to bloody bodies, boobs, background blanks, B-movie tropes, and boggling questions. Bloody bodies, well, in the first five minutes, we see six red ninjas get killed. Uh, throughout the movie, at least 30 people get either killed or disp- – you know, it's always hard to tell in a kung fu movie when they kick somebody really hard and they fall over and they're laying there. Are they dead? Are they not dead? Um, so it's hard to tell. But uh, there's no blood. There's no blood in this movie at all. So even at the beginning, as people are – cut with swords and whatever. And of course they're not like stabbed. They're sliced with swords, but their clothes don't rip and there's no blood. Um, there's one guy that takes a, a throwing star to the head uh, and we see him fall down, but he's kind of, it looks like he's just holding the <laughs> part of a throwing star uh, near his head, but there's still no blood even in that scene. So um, as, as far as the violence goes, uh, it's, it's not, uh, there's no gory, there's no blood guts, anything like that. It's all silly uh, ninja, you know, Kung Fu type of violence. Um, I will say that there is a scene where uh, Master Ninja Harry's wife is preparing crab for dinner. What are we eating tonight, darling? It's your favorite dish. Steamed crabs? No, this time I'm preparing a really special dish, something called drunken crab, and I know you're going to love it. What is that? Hang on in there. You'll find out. And by the way, I don't know if you caught that. Uh, but she said she's making his favorite dish and he says, Oh, is it this? And then she says, Nope, it's something new. <laughs> so I guess she's positive thinker that that's it's going to be his favorite dish. But, uh, anyway, she dumps the, uh, pan of crabs out and the crabs get on the floor and they're scattering around. And then Master Ninja Harry kind of looks and goes, ah, and he takes a throwing dart, uh, like a, a knife, a throwing knife, and throws it and sticks it in the crab. And then we get a shot of the crab walking around on the floor with a knife stuck in it. Um, so, you know, if we're counting the body count, I guess we got to throw in the – well, I guess all the crabs eventually are going to be dead <laughs> if they're for lunch. Um, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like I had to include that one. Uh, on with the boobs. Well, there are two sex scenes in this movie. Uh, and they both involve Lily. Lily is a little, she gets around in uh, Hong Kong. The first is with Jaguar Wong and Lily. And uh, this this scene is shot where you keep thinking you're going to see some nudity, but you just don't quite see any, you know. So they scroll down and it cuts. They scroll this way and it cuts. And there's one scene where she rolls over and you think, all right, we're getting ready to see the goods. And when she does, we notice that her arm is up. And her armpits are completely unshaven. 
you know, this is a personal preference thing, and this isn't has nothing to do with uh, you know women's rights, uh, anything like that. If women don't want to shave their armpits, more power to them. Uh, but it certainly is a jarring thing to see in the middle of a of a love scene uh, in the bed. I mean, the scene's already awkward, and once you see that when she rolls over and you see these big hairy armpits, I don't want to see her naked. <laughs> I don't want to see any part of her. Uh, so that's a, that's a good way to uh, make people. I didn't, you know, uh, if they did show something, I had my eyes closed at that point. So I, <laughs> I know that there's no nudity in that scene. Uh, now I, I mentioned that uh, this is a little uh, a tryst because uh, Jaguar Wong and Lily used to date, but Lily is now hooked up with Victor Lee. And so later on, there is a love scene between Lily and Victor Lee. Uh, so they go into the bedroom and there's some long, slow shots of her taking off her stockings and, and this, and they're kind of making out, um, and you can see different things, but you can't, you can't see anything that would give this an R rating. Let's put it that way. I mean, like you can see, uh, you know, part of. Uh, her chest, but you can't uh, see her nipples or <laughs> anything like that. That would give this uh, an R rating. I'm sure this is PG rated. Um, and so anyway, then it moves to a scene where, uh, and this is awkward, but Lily is cut out of the scene basically, except for her legs. So her legs are sticking up into frame. Uh, and then we see Victor Lee kind of rocking back and forth and he's completely dressed. And not only is he dressed, he's wearing a black turtleneck. Uh, so that that's his um, bedroom attire. And when he's coming at you, he's got the, the black turtleneck on. It's just another one of many, many silly scenes uh, in this movie. For B-movie tropes, first of all, uh, let's see. I wrote down that we have the sound effects. Obviously, the, the sound effects in this movie are great. Uh, here's about 10 or 15 seconds of a fight scene. And it's just like that. I mean, every, I mean, just super, super cool, uh, you know, kung fu type of movie. If you like uh, those silly Saturday cinema type uh, of kung fu movies, this is perfect. Uh, another, uh, I guess, a kung fu movie trope is that uh, everybody is willing to fight. I mean, you just walk down the street and people will fight. And not only that, uh, but everybody is a super good fighter, you know? So, uh, it's not like you go, you know, you run into somebody and, and they're like, hold on, let me put on my stretchy pants or let me get my brother. No, I mean, everybody's ready to throw down. I and mean, Hong Kong, if I learned one thing from this movie, it's that Hong Kong is a very dangerous town to live in. Uh, people are just kicking ass on every corner. Uh, another trope, from uh, these type of movies is that uh, there's a lot of comedy, not a lot, but there's some comedy in the fights. So there's one where he, uh, you know, is about to dispose of a, a guy and he grabs him by the nose, almost in a Three Stooges uh, kind of manner. Later on, when they're fighting on the beach, uh, Jaguar Wong uh, is fighting with Master Ninja Tiger Chan and he uh, jumps and lands in the sand and gets buried in the sand up to his knees and then continues to fight, you know, just while he's stuck in the sand but can't move around. So, you know, there's a little bit of silliness in here. And, I, and you know, you, you have to think that these guys weren't taking themselves 100% seriously, although most of the movie is presented uh, in a serious tone. I had a few boggling questions, uh, and that is saying an understatement. I mean, I have 8 million boggling questions about this movie. Uh, when I watched this for the first time, the first boggling question was, what the hell did I just watch? Um, <laughs> like, who are these people? What's going on? And as I watch it over and over. Um, so a lot of the questions I have solved myself from multiple viewings of this movie. But I am left uh, with a few boggling questions. And the first one is, why does everybody in this movie have everyone else's phone numbers and address? You know, if you're hiding from the Master Ninja Clan and he's sending robots to your house... Obviously, he knows where you live. Um, and, and, you know, the bad guys are constantly, everybody's calling each other on the phone. Uh, and so it's just kind of weird that everybody knows where everybody is. Uh, and yet they keep having to set up these, these secret meetings, you know. Uh, a second boggling question I had, there is a scene of a ninja uh, that is 
And I can't tell. I think it's a staff, but it could be nunchucks. But I think it's a staff with the ends that are on fire, and she's twirling it around. Here's the thing. I have no idea what, what that's about. It appears twice in this movie. It reminds me of if you uh, are of age and you had a, a VCR and you would tape movies and sometimes something would come on the news and you would uh, hit record and then you'd be like, oh, crap, 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 that's my movie. And you hit stop. And then later on when you're watching your, your videotape, you'd be watching a movie and then there would be a little cut and there would be like four seconds of something you know, from another show and then it would go back to your movie. That's what this reminds me of. It's like just a few seconds of a ninja in the dark twirling things around that are on fire. We don't know who it is, what they're doing, what it has to do with anything. It's literally a random clip that has been dropped into this movie twice for no reason. Another thing, uh, a boggling question uh, that I have about this movie is the watermelons. And apparently ninjas really either like watermelons or hate watermelons, but uh, more likely, this movie was catered by somebody that had watermelons. Now, uh, Master Ninja Harry, uh, who we see a few times practicing his ninjutsu, practices his sword technique on a watermelon. So he will do a quick draw and then go like that. Uh, and then the watermelon will sit there and then it falls into like five pieces, you know. So we see that a couple of times. But then later... There's a scene where Master Ninja Baron is sitting at home right before the robot shows up uh, to deliver a message, and he is eating a slice of watermelon at the dinner table with a knife and a fork. He is literally holding the watermelon with his fork, slicing a little bit of watermelon with a knife, and then picks that bite up with his fork and eats it. It is the strangest thing. And then there's a shot, like a, a cutaway shot of him at the table. There's nothing else on the table. So it's not like he's having watermelon with stuff. It's just, he sat down for dinner with a slice of watermelon and is eating it with a knife and a fork. It's very strange. And, and the fact that there are two different watermelon shots in this movie, tell me that for some reason they had some watermelons laying around the set. <laughs> the final boggling question I have is, uh, Jaguar Wong, Jaguar Wong, uh, as we know, uh, makes this drug deal where he intercepts the heroin. Uh, then it's all the fight about getting, you know, the heroin back and getting the girls back. And eventually, uh, he does get Machuco back. Uh, eventually all these things work out, but nobody ever mentions the heroin again, which means to me that he has a briefcase full of million millions of dollars of heroin, uh, at the end of this movie. Good on you, Jaguar Wong. Multiple sadness rating. How much do I enjoy this movie? Well, I will be honest with you. Uh, when I first saw this movie, I would have rated this movie probably a three out of Golden Ninja Warrior statues. Uh, three out of five. And, and that's because it's so confusing as to what's going on. But the, the fights and the humor and stuff uh, make it interesting to watch. It's just you don't really understand. But if you watch it a couple of times, it starts to uh, uh, you know gel together. So now I would probably give it four uh, Golden Ninja Warrior statues. And again, this is uh, four out of five for bad movies that I enjoy. I wouldn't go watch this movie on YouTube expecting to see uh, Crouching Tiger, or Hidden Dragon, or, or Enter the Dragon, or something like that. I mean, this is a bad movie, but um, if you have friends that like martial arts movies, this is a great movie to sit around with a couple of beers uh, and just watch the absurdity of everything unfold. This is the closing of the show, and after the music fades out, I will discuss the final wacky scene of the movie, so if you don't want that movie spoiled, you'll want to stop the podcast right before the music ends. Uh, thank you for listening to Multiple Sadness. You can find uh, this and more episodes of the show on multiplesadness.com. You can find us on Facebook over at facebook.com forward slash multiplesadness. Or on Twitter, you can just follow me at Commodore. This show is a proud member of the ACPN Network. If you want to find great ACPN podcasts like the Adventure Club podcast, Drunk on Disney, uh, or the world's only Saved by the Bell podcast, Saved by the Podcast, you can go find all those at theacpn.com. If you like bad movies and listening to podcasts about old crazy movies, be sure to check out Crazy Creepy Cool Movies, the podcast by Doug McCoy, which is hosted on throwbacknetwork.net your home for quality retro podcasts. Thanks again for listening to Multiple Sadness, and here comes the spoiler.
Spoiler alert. The three ninjas end up meeting at Devil's Rock. All three of the ninjas, this is Ninja Master Baron, Ninja Master Harry, and the Red Ninja from the Ninja Empire have brought their collective pieces of the Golden Ninja Warrior statue. The three fight for several minutes, and the Red Ninja ends up rolling around and killing Ninja Master Baron with spikes that come out of the shoulder of his ninja uniform. The Red Ninja is defeated by Ninja Master Harry and asks for death because he knows that he cannot return to the Ninja Empire clan with dishonor, knowing that he has not completed his mission. Ninja Master Harry denies him and then collects all three parts of the Ninja Master Warrior statue. The Red Ninja, out of rage and knowing that he cannot return to the Ninja clan, explodes himself with a bomb or something. Ninja Master Harry shrugs his shoulders, and then the movie says the end. I'm real confused. 